0: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Mike's on. He's ready to go. On the fan, New York Sports Radio. Mike's on. Mike's on. It's Mike Francis on the Sports Radio 66 and 101.9 FM. All right, we join you on this uh, May Day, the first day of May. Believe, hard to believe, but it is the first day of May, and May is such a special month because. It is such a great harbinger of things to come. You know, the summer's right around the corner and everything else that comes with that. And this year, it brings with it a lot of uh, unanswered questions, a lot of question marks, a lot of anxiety. Uh, First 6.30 tonight, you just heard uh, Ack say that uh, they have Game 2 of the 69 World Series, a pivotal game, an enormous game after the Mets lose Game 1. Uh, behind Seaver, who didn't pitch badly, they lose four one to the uh, A's uh, to the uh, Orioles in Game One, and the Orioles thought they were going to sweep that series. Remember, the Orioles were monsters at that time; Mets were big underdogs, and then come back with a pivotal game, a brilliant game from Kuzman, win the game 2-1. Kuzman throws a brilliant game, and you know Kuzman was incredibly clutch, uh, an incredibly clutch pitcher, but pitched so well in this game, and this game obviously turned the series around, brought the series back to New York 1-1, and then obviously it never left after that, as the Mets ran off uh, the final four games of the, of the series to win, starting with this one. So you relive that first Met uh, World Series win, a big one, 2-1 this evening. Kuzman with help from uh, Taylor in the bullpen, and and, uh, they win over the Orioles, uh, 2-1 to with a run in the ninth. Um, As I uh, started yesterday, I said I was going to do every day. I told you I was going to chronicle, have my guys chronicle every day. What I told them to do was I said, find, and I don't go back and research it. I said, find me the best day you can. Some days it's not going to be good, so just give me what to choose from. But find me the best day you can that each player has on this day. One played 16 years, one played 18 years. So it's Bernie Williams, Mickey Mantle, my two favorite players. Um, both, both switchers who played center field at Yankee Stadium, of course. Um, so here's today's game, May 1st, for Mantle first. May 1st, 1956, which, as you know, turns out to be not only Mantle's greatest year, but one of the greatest years that any player ever had in the history of baseball. He not only won the Triple Crown. he led both major leagues in five categories uh, and had this was finally, you know, so much had been forecast for him. This was finally everything coming together and him becoming not only the best player in baseball, but becoming one of the best players anybody ever saw. Uh, and uh, 56 was that special. On this day, May 1, the Yankees uh, beat the Orioles 9-3. They were nine to two, they were nine and three on the season. Uh, he went one for four with a walk, a two runs scored, hit a homer. So with the one for four and a homer, two runs scored, Mantle on May 1 was, had five homers, 16 RBIs, often a quick starter, was hitting 400 with an on-base percentage of 500, and as you know for the season— he hit over 350 and had an on-base percentage of about 500. So he had an incredible season. So uh, he had a walk in a homer. He had five homers, 16 RBIs on the season uh, on May 1st, and uh, the Yankees were off and running. Bernie's year was May 1, 1996. The Yankees beat the Orioles with five in the 15th inning to beat them 11-6. Uh, the game went 15 innings. Bernie went five for eight with two doubles, and what you noticed there was. Bernie already had 19 RBIs on May 1st. Now, Bernie was, a, and it was hitting 290. This year was a very good year for Bernie. He wound up having a very good year. Uh, he wound up with about 25, 26 homers, 100 RBIs, hit 300. I think he had 305. Um, had a very good season. This turned out to be a great year for the Yankees. Bernie obviously had a huge postseason. The Yankees went on to win that first World Series for this group. Uh, so, this was a very big year. And that day, he was five for eight with two uh, doubles. And he was hitting 290 with 19 RBIs on May 1st. And those were big numbers for Bernie because he's usually a very slow starter. He didn't like the cold weather. Coming from Puerto Rico, he was not a fast starter. Most seasons, he was off the sluggish starts. This year, 290 with 19 RBIs a good start for him. So, he was off and running. And he wound up the year with 100 RBIs. Mantle, of course, had five homers and 16 RBIs, was batting 400. And was just a harbinger of things to come because he went on to have one of the, as we know, a triple crown season and one of the great seasons that any player ever had in the history of baseball. Um, so that takes care of our little dance back in history that we do every day uh, and we will do while this uh, craziness continues. And the fan will keep bringing you games as they will in just a couple of minutes at 6.30 with Howie. And Howie will be joined by uh, Kirk County uh, Jr., whose father, of course, the legendary Kurt Gowdy, the cowboy, the broadcaster from Wyoming, uh, did the games. In those days, Kurt Gowdy was was part of your World Series experience every year. He would be a big part of the World Series every year. He was the voice. Kurt Gowdy in those days did everything. You know, he w- he did football with Aldi Regadas. You know, and he did baseball and he did, you know he did he did basketball with Al McGuire. I mean, Kurt Gowdy was there. He did everything. He was he was you know he was like. As big as big gets, you know. It was, Kurt Gowdy in his prime was as big as anybody ever was as a uh, broadcaster. So uh, at that time, in 16, now they usually what they would do is they would slide, in those days, one of the local announcers into the middle of the game on a national broadcast. They'd bring one of them in and let them do a couple innings. That was usually the way it was. I don't remember how he probably does. I don't remember who they, they used in the Met booth, like which one slid into the booth with the national guys. I don't know which one did, of the three. I really don't know in those days. Which I, w- I would think it was probably Lindsay or Ralph. They were more the national guys than Murphy was, but uh, I'm not sure. I, w- I would think it was Lindsay myself. It could be Ralph because he was a big slugger and a Hall of Famer, but um, I would think it was probably Lindsay, but I'm not sure uh, which one wound up doing it. But that was a pivotal uh, game number two for the Mets coming off the loss to the Dodgers in game one. Uh, uh, Siva loses game one Kuzman comes back two hits the Orioles in game two and away they went you know off they went game three game four and game five you know so game three was the A.G. game and Nolan Ryan game four and then game five of course the, the Swoboda catch and uh, they go on to a uh, amazing victory as they uh, you know shut down the Orioles were an unbelievable powerhouse And they really had a very disappointing three years because they were heavy favorites in 69. They lost the World Series. They won the World Series in 1970 against the Reds in what was called the Brooks Robinson Series. And then in 71, they lost the Clemente Series in seven games to the Pirates in what was deemed the Clemente Series. So in those three years, they got to the World Series three straight years. They were the dominant team in... in, in baseball, great pitching, and of course, Brooks, Frank, Boog Powell, Davey Johnson, uh, you know, Mark Belanger, Andy Etchabarin, Don Buford, Paul Blair, Merv Redmond, I mean, they had, they were loaded. Elrod Hendricks, I mean, they were loaded as a team, great pitching, Palmer, McNally, Cuellar, et cetera, Uh, and they went to the World Series three years in a row, they were a dominant team, and they only won one of the three. It was very reminiscent of the A's with La Russa, but went three straight years and only won once, and were upset a couple of times. Same thing with the the Orioles those years. Upset twice. Upset by the Mets, upset by the Pirates. Uh, In between winning the World Series and what was deemed the Brooks Robinson Series against the Reds in 1970, but the Mets, of course, Who, as you know, I told you before, became a—we talked about last night—became a legitimate team down the stretch. Went 38-9 down the stretch, won 100 games, swept the Hank Aaron Braves, and then took care of the Orioles in five games. Uh, They were—they had become a very, very good team that was just red hot and did it with pitching, defense, and timely hitting. When you hear about that way of getting hot and having that kind of team that can do it with pitching, defense, and timely hitting, the Mets did that better than just about any team ever could. They got the hits they got had to get. They platooned very efficiently. They got it from a lot of different places in this series, getting big performances from different guys, including Al Weiss, who was a you know a very big factor in the series. A guy who was a banjo hitter, but in this series, had a very big series. And, you know, sometimes that happens. Sometimes, you know, uh, postseason stars come from a lot of different places, as you remember with the Yankees, whether it was Dent or Doyle or whoever. The guys come from different places sometimes. Louis Soho was as an example. Guys come from all different places to come up with big hits in the postseason. That's the way it works a lot of times. When we come back, we'll get some calls in. So get aboard. We'll take some calls here on this May day, on this first day of May. As we begin another month of uh, waiting and hoping and, I guess, doing a little praying, too. Um, I just saw this story. I wasn't aware of it. I did not know that May is mental health month. I just see this here that it says it is now, on this May 1st. Brian Mauer, the uh, Tennessee quarterback, sent this out. And said, in honor of May being Mental Health Month, I encourage everyone to seek help, but also to speak up and share their stories. And here's my story. He basically says the story of having struggled with some uh, depression since he was in seventh grade quietly and that he had decided on January 22nd, 2020, to take his own life when uh, he was having a serious bout with depression and that his mom called. And the two minutes that his mom called changed his life, and that he went and sought help, and how it changed him. And obviously, he wanted to express the story of what he was going through. Um, the thing that gets me there is obviously, um, Wednesday, January 22nd, that he said on 2020, when he said it happened. Happens to be my younger brother's birthday. Um, That was his birthday. And uh, as a lot of you know, some of you might not, he committed suicide many years ago. Uh, 1990 to be exact. So it's a long time ago now. Suffering from problems that we weren't very aware of at the time. Uh, We didn't know a lot of things then. They didn't even classify things as being bipolar then. That's what he had. At the time, they didn't even have that classification. since changed but that's what he would have been classified as having Uh, they at that time classified it as some form of schizophrenia but it really wasn't it was bipolar Um, but that was not a term at the time Um, so it's something I've been aware of for a long time Uh, and you see people step up as this young man does here and is brave enough to tell his story to try and help somebody else so in honor of may being mental health month which he pointed out which i was not aware of but since it is uh there's obviously a lot of this in young people that you have to look for and especially now you know pay attention to what's going on because everyone's home You're seeing maybe more of your children than you have. I'm sure that's the case in a lot of cases. But everyone's out of their routine. They're also not doing some of the activities that they have been, and maybe they're struggling a little bit more than you might think. So just make sure people aren't struggling. Take the time to check right now. Make sure they're okay because it is a little bit of a stressful time for a lot of people. And uh, then you see something like this, and you realize how often young people go through Uh, things like this, and he was uh, brave enough to step up and say that he had overcome it, and he was looking for a sign to help him that day, and what happened is his mom called. And we don't know, and he doesn't know whether he would have actually gone through with it or not, even though he was having thoughts along that line. Uh, The fact that he was is enough. So uh, he went and got help, and you should do the same if you you feel that there is a need. Uh, A lot of the stigma from these things has been lifted, don't be afraid to tell people that you need help. Don't be afraid to go seek help. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, m- people are far more um, attuned to it than they used to be. They're also far wiser about it uh, and they know a lot more about it than they used to. So, uh, if that's the case, please uh, take the time to do something about it and realize there's an alternative. So we send our best to uh, the young Tennessee quarterback on this May 1st. And if it is something that you're having issues with or someone is in your family, well, then get them the help they need. Joe in New Haven. What's up, Joe? Hey, Mike. How you doing? Good. What's happening? Good to to hear your voice. Hey, um... You know, I just saw, thinking about that Baltimore team you talked about, you know, in 69, 70, 71, probably the best team in the league, probably should have won a oh, year straight. They were I mean, a great team, all, yes, yes. Literally an all-star at every position compared to that Mets lineup, which really barely had all-star in the regular positions, barely had all-stars. Uh, they had Hall of Famers in Baltimore, but that pitching staff that Baltimore had, if I remember, weren't there four twenty game winners? Yeah, absolutely, I, but you know, the, the Mets, the, the Orioles had some very good defensive players at some positions. They weren't all great offensive, I mean they had, obviously, they had Brooks, and they had Boog, and they had Frank Robinson, who were all, all-star players and big players. David Johnson had a couple of good offensive years. The, the shortstop was a defensive player in Belanger. The center fielder was really a defensive player in Paul Blair. Blair. The l- left fielder was Buf- Buford and, and Merv Redeman were in left field, and Elrod oh. Hendricks and Andy Etchabaron were the catches. So they had, they had some very good players, and they had great pitching. The Mets, what they did so well was they had great pitching, but they, they had some regulars have great years, They got solidified by getting Clendenin, but they got some great platoon usage out of positions. They had Garrett and and Ed Charles at third. They had Boswell and Weiss at second. Uh, They platooned very well. At, at, at Swoboda and Champsky, they had, they platooned very well in some positions and they got a couple of big years out of AG, out of Cleon Jones. Cleon Jones at 340. Um, and Grody was a very good defensive catcher and they had great pitching and they got enough hitting to get by. They weren't a big hitting team, as you said, but Clendenin really made a big difference for them. He really did. He, he really, he solidified their lineup in a big way, Clendenin four twenty game four twenty game winners in this day and age. Imagine four twenty game winners. No, I mean listen, just well now you won't even get one because you know they yeah. those those guys used to get forty starts. Now they get you used to have four guys that each get forty starts. Now guys get thirty starts in a season. That's all they get, and they're out of the game by the sixth inning. So it's a whole different world. But yeah, they had great pitching. Uh, Dobson, uh, Palmer. Quayar McNally, uh, really yeah. gr- great pitching. They really did. Thanks for the call. Uh, Chris and Beth Page, what's up, Chris? Hey, Michael, I want to talk briefly about 69 Mets, but you mentioned something about Mental Health Month. There's a great show on Netflix that just finished the second season called Afterlife with Ricky Gervais. I don't know if you're familiar with this. I'm not, no. You know? Okay, it's, it deals a lot with that issue. And it's funny, but it's really it's a heartwarming Series. It's called Afterlife. Okay, and it's only half half hour episodes. I highly recommend it. Uh, you, there won't, you go. I'll give you a money back guarantee on it. Okay. Thank you. It's called Thank Afterlife. You. Okay. Sixty nine Mets, Mike. Um, one thing I remember is they made the most clutch fielding. Uh, the three catches those guys made, Swoboda and the two by ag pretty much saved the series for them. Because I know they had oh, clutch hitting, absolutely great pitching. But three of the greatest catches in World Series, no place. question. Well, and they saved that save that one and the World Series. Those three. Well, catches. Swibor, catch. You know the AG catches. Uh, uh, and thanks for the call. The AG catches yeah. in Game Three were great catches. One one was a good catch. One was a great catch. Uh, Ryan came in that game and pitched brilliantly early in the game and and had a great like three inning or three and a third inning stint in that game, middle of that game. Um, A.G. made the two catches in right center and left center field. Um, the Swoboda catch was unbelievable. The amazing thing about the Swoboda catch is Frank Robinson still smart enough to tag up. A lot of guys wouldn't even have tagged up. They just would have run home, Good thinking the ball is never going to be caught. He actually did the right thing because he was a brilliant base runner, Frank Robinson, and tagged up and still strode home, made the play there. But uh, Swoboda's catch was unbelievable. That catch was ridiculous. On a, on, a, on a scale of 1 to 10, the chance of catching that ball, like 1 in 10. I mean, that, 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 ball, that ball was uncatchable that he caught. He caught it like three inches off the ground. It was an incredible catch by Swoboda. Absolutely amazing. Uh, that, that catch was remarkable. But they did everything right. I mean, they did everything right. You know, they made every play they had to make, which is, you know, how they were able to win the series. They got the clutch hits that they needed. They got the big hit when they needed it. And they were able to, you know, make the big plays when they had to. I mean, that's what they were. They were a very, they were you know, right team, right spot. Uh, getting a lot out of a lot of different guys. And as you said, you know, one day it's Al Weiss. Next day it's JC Martin. The next day it's AG. Next day it's Swoboda. You know, so uh, big game from... Uh, from uh, Kuzman in game two, great pitch game. You know, he throws a two-hitter. So, I mean, there were so many performances. Murray and Belmore, what's up, Murray? Hey, Mikey, how are you? Good just wanted me. to give you a call. You know, it's funny. It's May first. This was um, rookie. He started Mickey Mantle's first game. He had a home run against the White uh, the White Sox in Comiskey Park. It was May first, nineteen fifty one. And my old man was at the game. I wasn't born yet. But it's funny. Today's the day where he first he was your father was in the game they in Chicago. Was at the game in Chicago. He was at the game in nineteen fifty one. He was actually working for a company that just opened up an office there in Chicago. He tells me the story. Joe D was hurt, and they had this guy Jackie. Jensen or something playing. Hey, Jackie Jensen was, a, uh, big player. was, right was a big player. I'm not sure exactly what position he was playing that day, but it was his first game, Mickey, hit a home run in, in Comiskey, and today's May 1st, and I just thought it felt... Yeah, Mickey uh, Mi- that Mi- Mickey played, of, a of, he, he played a lot. He played, and thanks for the call, he played a lot of positions. Casey had him playing a lot of positions early in his career. He actually played games, in a, played in right field a lot. You'll even find a couple of games where you find him at second base, you find him in different places. Really, he played right field while Jimaggio was there. and then, in, But in 52, you'll still find him in right field. wasn't until 53 that he went to center field. And I think in 53, he still might have played a game here or there. But I think after 53, he pretty much settled in in center field. But 52... Early in the season, he was playing right field a lot. Serve was playing center field. Remember, DiMaggio's gone after 51. 51, DiMaggio, when he was playing, was still playing uh, center, and middle, was playing right. But even Casey would move guys around. He'd play him at different positions at at the time. So he'd move guys all over the place. That's what he liked to do. I mean, he even tried to get DiMaggio to play first base, but DiMaggio didn't like it You know, late in his career. He He did not like it at all, so he didn't want to play there. He and DiMaggio didn't have a great relationship. They they had their issues. They did not get along well. And listen, you're coming in. Dimaggio's bigger than life. You're coming in as a veteran manager. You're taking over a new team. The Yankees have been prolific winners. Dimaggio's, you know, didn't do what he wants. That's basically it. And then when Mickey came along, Casey used to use Mickey to kind of tweak Joe. That here's your replacement. Here's the next great player. And I think Joe didn't like that very much. Uh, you know, and Mantle. Wasn't ready to replace DiMaggio, who never made a mistake in the field. Manuel was, uh, early in his career, was not a great fielder. In his career, he was never the best outfielder. He was a good outfielder. He was not a great outfielder. He could outrun the ball and outrun his mistakes, but he was never the best outfielder. He was a good outfielder. Uh, but he was not a DiMaggio in the outfielder or a Willie Mays in the outfield. But offensively, he was, you know otherworldly with his speed and power. All right, uh, as always, Casamigos Tequila brings you the program brought to you by those who uh, drink it. Uh, they have Game 2 of the 69 World Series coming up with Howie and his special guest, Kurt Gowdy uh, Jr. will be with them. So you hear that coming up as you can reminisce about the Mets' first World Series win uh, with Kuzman on the mound in that uh, pivotal Game 2. Uh, have a very nice weekend. Have a safe one supposed to be beautiful tomorrow, so get out of the house, uh, and we'll see you after the weekend. Enjoy yourself, folks. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today.